Coming up next, please join us for Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 139. Avi Ben-Mordechai here. Shalom. You're tuned in to Real Israel Talk Radio. And this is podcast episode 139. It's a continued historical summary concerning the biblical priestly line of Aaron as it was passed down to the house of the sons of Tzadok. This episode is part 26. And yes, probably there are a few that are saying, okay, Avi, enough is enough. But I'm trying to be really specific about all of this historical data and information and to try to put it all into a perspective that we get the big picture here of what's going on and what this House of Tzedok thing is all about. So please bear with me as we continue on with this particular episode dealing with a historical summary of the House of Tzedok. Now, with the previous program, which was part 25, I focused our attention on the priestly line of Aaron and how his authority came to be established through his firstborn son, Eleazar. Then later, Eleazar passed on his elected authority to Pinchas, who then passed his Aaronic inheritance downline to Sadok, who served in a priestly function for King David, based on First Chronicles twenty four three, and Nehemiah or Nehemiah twelve verse four. This Sadok hereditary priestly line, from the time of King David, produced several well known personalities, which includes Jeremiah the prophet, also. Ezekiel the priest, and Ezra the scribe. Now, during the Zadokite priest era, when the divine invitation was sent out to return back to the land of Judea, or some people will say Judah, not all of the priestly courses joined in their return back to Jerusalem. Many of the families of the priests put down their roots in Babylon and likely expected to make their home there and die there. That's pretty much how it looks to me. Among them, only four priestly courses are actually known to have returned, according to Ezra 2, 36-39. And according to the information we have, it looks like the total number of priests that returned with Ezra during that first Aliyah, it numbers 5,289 priests. Generations later, Yohanan, or John the Baptist, was conceived. He was the priestly Zadokite son of Zacharias, as this is transmitted to us based on the common naming conventions in the Greek culture. So, Zacharias is in the Zadokite bloodline of Aviah, as it's written down for us in 1 Chronicles 24, verses 3 through 10. 
Zacharias had a wife. Her name was Elisheva, or Elizabeth, who was from the priestly bloodline of Aaron, based on Luke 1.5. Now, it must be noted that many details are a bit sketchy as to how the priestly family of Avia fits into the return to Jerusalem under Ezra. Again, when only four families of priests actually are recorded as coming with Ezra from Babylon to Jerusalem. These were priests who were legitimate, according to 1 Chronicles 24, 7-18. According to this written record, there were 24 priestly families established for temple service in the days of King David. Among the four families of priests who returned, it is plausible to think that some, not all, from the family of Aviah might have returned with Ezra. But it is actually difficult to say with any precision. Now, another thing to consider, historical information from the Jewish writer Josephus and all later rabbinic writings appear to make it rather unmistakable that by the first century of what is referred to as the Common Era, we say CE, the Common Era, it looks like Hebrew scripture was already considered a closed canon. This means that in the days of Yeshua, the religious leaders of Judah endorsed only a certain series of books that could be called Scripture, at least as they understood the idea. Any other books or works not approved as part of the so-called canon of Scripture was simply not validated, meaning the words and the teachings could not be called scripture, nor could they be called prophetic, at least not by these religious authorities who took over the job of religious leadership and government in Israel at the time. But this was not the case among the Zadokites and their supporters, or what could be called their allies. For them, Hebrew scripture was not considered a closed canon in Yeshua's day. This is really important. Again, scripture was not considered a closed canon back in Yeshua's day, not by the Zadokite standards, and this is quite evident from some of the recorded statements in the books of the New Covenant as we read from it today. For example, in the New Covenant book of Yehuda, or Jude, as we understand it, in verse 14, it says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, Yehovah comes with ten thousands of his holy ones. Then there's Matthew 23, 34. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets 
wise men and scribes. There's also 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 29. And God has appointed these in the congregation or the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And again in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 20, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Now, these are just a handful of some passages from the New Covenant writings that would tell us quite clearly that there was no such thing as a closed canon of Hebrew Scripture, at least according to Zadokite standards. But according to the Pharisaic standards, it was already a closed canon. So therefore, you couldn't have prophets or wise men or those kinds of people coming up to the ranks if, in fact, they weren't even allowed to give forth prophecy. As I understand it, the early Pharisaic reason for voting to seal off the canon of Hebrew Scripture was in order to firmly establish Pharisaic authority on earth and therefore the teaching and influence of the prophetic Zadokites were actually shut down. Yeah, they were shut off as a channel of learning for the common people. And this is the likely basis for one of Yeshua's critical statements against the religious authorities of his time. Here is the idea from Matthew 23:13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. You see, Yeshua was presented as the Word made flesh from John chapter 1, verse 14. But yet, He was also received as one and the same with Melchizedek, or Melchizedek, who appeared to Avram in Genesis 14, 18, and was therefore not only a king of the celestial city of Shalem, which, by the way, that is called the kingdom of God, but also, remember, Yeshua, as the Word, he was a priest to El Elyon. This tells me something very important. Without a priestly relationship to the house of Tzedok, established in the time of King David, I seriously doubt that Zacharias or Zechariah would have been called up in a priestly lottery to offer incense on behalf of the nation to Jehovah in the holy place of the house of Jehovah. So again, once more, according to the Aaronic tradition that governs the functions of a legitimate priesthood in the eyes of Jehovah, 
only those of a provable Zadokite heritage would be allowed to perform an incense offering to Jehovah, at least based on 1 Chronicles 23.13 and Numbers 4.16. From the information that we have based on Luke 1.5-6, Zacharias was a legitimate priest in the bloodline of Sadok, and therefore he was a legitimate and qualified priest to represent the interests of Jehovah's will through the priestly line of the ancient house of Tzedok. So again, let's read Luke 1.6. And they, referring to Zechariah and his wife Elisheva, they were both Tzedok. In other words, they were both righteous. But I'm putting the word Tzedok in there because that is how I would understand the concept of Sadiq or Sadok in the face of Elohim, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of Jehovah, blameless. As for the story of Zacharias and Elisheva, and the naming of their yet to be conceived son of his Zadokite priestly heritage, we learn the following from Luke 1 11 through 13. Then an angel of Jehovah appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and when Zacharias saw, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elisheva will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Yohanan. Now, on my previous program, episode 138 and part 25 in this ongoing series, I advanced the question, why did the angel of Jehovah tell Zacharias to name his child Yohanan or John? I think a possible answer to the question is with the bloodline link that survived between the legitimate Zadokite priest Zacharias and the last legitimate Zadokite high priest among the Judeans prior to the emergence of the Hasmoneans or the Hashmonaim. And that dynasty of forces that sought to eradicate the Zadokites about 150 years before Yeshua. The name of the last known and legitimate Zadokite priest was Onias III, who was also called Yohanan HaKohen, abbreviated to Honi the Kohen. So you could say Honi, like C-H-O-N-I. When Zacharias was told by the angel Gabriel or Gabriel to name his yet-to-be-conceived son Yohanan, later known as the Immerser or the Baptist, it appears to me to be linked back to Onias III. 
by naming the child Yochanan. Zacharias seems to be connecting him to the legitimate priestly line of Aaron through Eleazar, which then traces back even further to Genesis 14.18, when Melchizedek, the priest to El Elyon, appeared to Avram from the celestial kingdom of Shalem, meaning he came down from the kingdom of God above. Now, this tells me that the Zadokite priest, Yochanan the Immerser, also called the Baptist, was more than a prophet because he was chosen to announce the soon arrival of the coming one, Melchizedek, also called the Logos or the Word of Jehovah, who sits as king and priest of Shalem, according to Psalm 110, verses 4 through 5. Let's read that together. Jehovah has sworn and will not be comforted. This is actually what the Hebrew text says, and it implies to me that he's not going to be comforted with any other plan. And he said, you are a Kohen or a priest forever. That is, the word of Jehovah is speaking this word. And his priesthood is going to be according to the order or the course of Melchizedek. Then he says, the master, meaning Adonai, is at your right. Now, the master could be no other than Adonai, later called by the name Yeshua, the promised coming messianic son of David, who must also be titled by his earthly, kingly, and priestly name, Melchizedek, which I understand the meaning to be I, King Tzedok, or perhaps you could say, I am King Tzedok. Regardless, he fulfilled the prophecy of Daniel 9.24. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in eternal tzedok, or eternal righteousness, or if you wish, tzedokness, as I'm kind of identifying it with that word, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. And who is the most holy? I think it was Yeshua. Now let's read Luke 19, 41 through 44. Now, as he, referring to Yeshua, drew near, he saw the city and wept over her, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, the things for your shalom, which I think is a play on the term shalem from Genesis 14, 18. So Yeshua was saying that if you had known, especially in this, your day, the things for your 
shalom, or you could say your shalem. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. I understand this to mean that they did not know the visitation of King Sadok, or if you wish, they did not know the visitation of Melchizedek, arriving from the celestial city of Shalem, hence fulfilling the meaning of the word Jerusalem, Yireh Shalem, translated to English as He will see Shalem. Yeshua came to be physically anointed as the Most Holy of Heaven, that is, Heaven's King of Shalem. Now, this is what I believe Yeshua meant when he said in John 18, 36, But now my kingdom is not from here. At the beginning of his public ministry, Yeshua received a spiritual anointing according to the order or the course of the priest Melchizedek from Genesis 14:18. And you'll know from the narrative that this took place at the Jordan River in the waters of immersion, anointed by the chosen Zadokite priest, Yohanan the Immerser, who was the son of the Zadokite priest, Zacharias. So we learn from Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed immerse you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I think this is an implication to Melchizedek, as John goes on to say, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will immerse you with the Ruach HaKodesh, or the Holy Spirit, and fire. So what's going on here? I think this bestows Yeshua with two titles eternal king through Yehuda, and eternal priest through Levi, or Levi, fulfilling the eternal decree of Psalm 110, verses 1 through 4. This, of course, would link Melchizedek as heaven's priestly head to Aaron, Eleazar, Pinchas, Sadok, Onius III, also called Yochanan, then downline to Zacharias, and then to Yochanan the Immerser, and finally to Yeshua, when he requested from Yochanan the Zadokite to be immersed in the water. And so it was that Yeshua said to Yochanan, who was there to anoint Yeshua as the most holy, according to Daniel. 924, so that he could take on the spiritual component of his calling, according to Matthew 
3.15. For thus it is fitting, which you could also use the word kosher, for us to fulfill all of Sadok. This statement merges all of the material earthly components of kingship and the spiritual heavenly components of priesthood to all who had entered, all who were entering in Yeshua's day, and all who will enter into the new covenant in our day as believers in the king and the priest who was called Melchizedek. Now we'll come back and talk more about all of this after I take a quick break. So stay with me, okay? This is Avi Ben Mordechai, and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. Welcome back to the second half of Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 139. Here is your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Welcome back to Real Israel Talk Radio. I'm Avi Ben Mordechai. Let's continue where I left off just before the break. At the beginning of Yeshua's public ministry, he received a spiritual anointing according to the order or the course of the priest Melchizedek from Genesis 14:18. Yes, this took place at the Jordan River in the waters of immersion, anointed as the most holy by the chosen Zadokite priest, Yochanan the Immerser, who was also the son of the Zadokite priest, Zacharias. And we learned about that from Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. This, of course, bestows Yeshua with two titles, eternal king through Yehuda and eternal priest through Levi or Levi, fulfilling the eternal decree of Psalm 110 verses 1 through 4, linking Melchizedek as heaven's priestly head or chief over and above Aaron, Eleazar, Pinchas, Sadok, Onius III, also called Yochanan, Zacharias, Yochanan the Immerser, and finally to Yeshua when he requested from Yochanan the Zadokite to be immersed in the waters of the Jordan. And so it was that Yeshua said to Yochanan, who was there to anoint Yeshua to that role of the most holy, according to Daniel 9.24, bringing him into the spiritual component of his calling. Now, this statement, of course, merges all of the material earthly components of kingship and spiritual heavenly components of priesthood, which applies to all those in the ancient days who came before Yeshua, then to those who came into the new covenant in Yeshua's day, and finally coming forward in time to all of us in this time frame as we enter into the new covenant as believers in the king and the priest who was called Melchizedek, meaning I am King Sadok. This establishes that important prophecy of Jeremiah 33, 15 through 18. 
in those days and at that time I will cause to grow up to David a branch of Sadok, that is, our righteousness. For thus says Jehovah, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel, nor shall the priests of the Levites lack a man to offer elevation offerings before me, to kindle grain offerings, and to sacrifice or slaughter continually. Consider this idea a kind of transfer that changes one status from earth's kingdom of darkness to heaven's kingdom of light. This one is king and priest. He's called the Anointed One, Yeshua, the Mashiach or Messiah, who rules with absolute power in the celestial city above called Shalem, which is again called the kingdom of God. Because of who Yeshua is, that is, he is the prince of Shalom, which could also be the prince of Shalem, which means completeness and wholeness. This notion is precisely what Avram experienced when he received a visitation from three men who are called angels in Genesis 18.2, one of whom appears to be Melchizedek. Let's take a look at Hebrews 1.1. Ha Elohim, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, all who come to this anointed one, referring to Yeshua, slash Melchizedek, who is heaven's eternal king and eternal priest. To the one who comes to this one, Melchizedek, a new name is given along with a unique priestly occupation granted to the elect ones, meaning the chosen ones, because to them... It is a spiritual inheritance among the sons of Tzadok, according to the order or the course of Tzadok. It was the same for Avram, who also came to believe in the word of Jehovah, whose name is also King Tzadok, that is, Melchizedek. Now take a look at Genesis 15, 5 through 6. Jehovah says to Avram, Now look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. But this could also be understood as, So shall your seed be. That's in the singular, the seed. And he believed in Adonai, which would be called the master, and he was counted toward him as Sadok, righteousness, or in that same capacity as the righteous one. This elevated status given to Avram refers to his position under the one that he came to know as 
his exalted father, who then transformed the name of Avram to Avraham, meaning the people's exalted father, to reflect the role of the prophetic eternal priest Melchizedek, who came to bring salvation to all people, nations, tribes, and tongues. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah 9-6, which if you're reading in Hebrew, it would be 9-5. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty El, Eternal Father, Prince of Shalom. Tis now the same blessing of a kingdom of priests and a holy nation freely given to each of us when we enter the new covenant established through Yeshua, who is an eternal king and an eternal priest. And therefore, it was written in Hebrews 13.8, Yeshua, the Anointed One, the Messiah, His status is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Said differently, we enter the kingdom of heaven as Yehovah's B'nai HaTzadok, sons of Tzadok, in the same way that Avraham entered to receive redemption and atonement through the work of heaven's Kohen or priest, whose work is toward El Elyon, which is what it says in the Hebrew of Genesis 14.18. That is Melchizedek. So, this is what I believe Shaul or Paul understood as he wrote about it in Romans 4, 5 through 6, and again in 21 through 22. But to him who does not work, meaning you don't have to work so hard to get the approval of Jehovah, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted toward Sadok. Yeah, that's what Paul said. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes Sadok, or righteousness apart from any works, meaning apart from seeking to earn some kind of divine approval or status in the eyes of Jehovah. So Paul goes on to say, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him, referring to Avram, toward or to Sadok, that is, righteousness. With this, I think we've been given a new name. Our new name somehow has got to be linked to the B'nai HaTzadok, the sons of Tzadok. Also, the B'nai HaOr, meaning the sons of light, which is the basis as to why all believers in Yeshua should seek to guard the Torah 
and to faithfully walk according to the teaching authority of the one who is called the teacher of righteousness or the teacher of the one called Sadok, meaning the teacher Sadok, who is our king and our priest in the kingdom of Shalem, which is the kingdom of Melchizedek. Now take a look at Matthew 23, 9-10. Yeshua says, Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the anointed one, which has to refer to the Messiah, the Most Holy One, who is the King and the Priest of Shalem. Of course, this blessing also comes to us with an uncompromising warning. It's written for us in Hebrews 13, 9-11. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For good is the heart established by grace, the word grace there would be the Hebrew term Yohanan, not with foods, referring to doctrines in the context, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. I think this is referring specifically to the illegitimate priests who are pretenders to be of the legitimate house of Tzedok. But they're pretenders. They're not of that house. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Now take a look at Exodus 33.7 in light of this statement. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting, that is, the Ohel Moed, the tent of the meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought Jehovah went out to the tabernacle of meeting, the Ohel Moed, which was outside the camp. That's exactly what Hebrews 13, 9 to 11 is telling us. So then we go to Hebrews 13, 12 through 15. Therefore, Yeshua also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Why is it being written this way? Because the house of Tzedok, the Zadokites, they were forced into an exile outside the camp. They set up camp outside of Jerusalem in the place called Qumran. So it makes perfect sense to me. So it was that Yeshua said in Matthew 4.17, from that time, after his water immersion and 
his anointing by the Zadokite priest Yochanan, Yeshua began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Or, to put it a different way, Repent, for the kingdom of Shalem is at hand. The celestial city that is to come to earth is that of Shalem from above. So did Yeshua confirm. Take a look at Luke eleven two. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Accordingly, the sons of Tzedok, that's you and I by faith, my friends, we are Kohanim. We are priests unto El Elyon in the name of Yeshua, which is explained from the book of Exodus and the book of Revelation. First, Exodus 19.6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, Revelation 3.12. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, so that no one may take your crown. What is this crown? The crown that is referred to, I think, is the gold crown that is affixed to the turban that the priest would wear, linked to the words, quote, holiness to Yehovah, based on Exodus 28, 36 through 38. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on him the engraving of a signet set apart to Yehovah. And you shall put him on a blue cord, that it may be on the headband. It shall be on the front of the headband. So it shall be for Aaron's shining brightness on his brow. That's the Hebrew term for this headband. It literally refers to a shining brightness coming off the brow of Aaron, that Aaron may lift up the iniquity or the avon of the Holy One, which the sons or children of Israel hallow in all their set-apart gifts and shall always be according to His shining brightness, that bright glow on the brow of Aaron, that they, referring to a priestly bride like you and I, that they may be desired before Jehovah. So then, the revelation of Yochanan continues in Revelation 21, 2 through 3. Then I, Yochanan, remember, he's a son of Tzedok, he saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, their God, or their Elohim. This new Jerusalem, 
as I just previously mentioned, is from Hebrew, a compound of two words with a dual plural suffix, giving us the term Yire Shalem. That is this new Yire Shalem, this new Jerusalem, meaning he, the one who believes by faith, will see Shalem. To get access into that kingdom, one must be wearing the engraved golden crown, which says, quote, holiness or set-apartness to Yehovah, which is a term unique to the sons of Sadok, according to the order of Hatzadok, that is, Melchizedek. Now, to me, this explains why Yeshua spoke about coming into an identification with the priestly sons of Tzedok. Here it is in Matthew 5.20. For I say to you, unless your righteousness, which I think is unless your legitimate Tzedokness, for lack of a better term, exceeds the illegitimate Tzedokness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you won't enter the celestial city of Shalem, the place of Melchizedek. The Qumran priests of the sons of the house of Tzedok describe the same matter among the faithful ones of their own time. Those walking in Jehovah's covenant as his friends, that is, friends of the king and friends of Elohim. Well, they wrote all about this in the Dead Sea Scrolls 4Q 269, column 3, lines 2 through 4. Abraham did not walk in the families of Noah and was counted as a friend for keeping God's precepts and not following the desire of his spirit. He passed them on to Isaac and to Jacob, and they kept them and were written up as friends of Elohim, or friends of God, and as members of the covenant forever. The priests of the house of Tzedok went on to speak about walking faithfully according to Jehovah's plan, that these are called sons of Tzedok, members of the covenant, a community of the eternal, and associates of an everlasting society. Here's the idea from the Dead Sea Scrolls in 4Q 256, column 2, lines 23 through 26. No one shall move down from his rank, nor move up from the place of his lot, for all shall be in a community of truth, of proper meekness, of compassionate love, and upright purpose towards each other, in a holy council, associates of an everlasting society, and anyone who declines to enter the covenant of God 
in order to walk in the stubbornness of his heart, shall not enter the community of his truth. There is no better place to give a witness to this instruction as from the king of Tzedok in the Dead Sea Scrolls 4Q256 than to read it actually from a statement that Yeshua said in John 15.15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. Here, the term friend is from the Hebrew word chet vet resh. You could pronounce it as chaver, which has deep multiple meanings, including one who is an intimate associate of Yehovah, and therefore a loved one or one who is loved. Subsequently, Yeshua employed some very interesting wordplay to drive this point home. John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will safeguard or keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, this same decree had previously been declared in Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and by his friendship, that is, Yehovah's loved ones, we are healed. But we're going to stop here because I'm out of time. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Avi ben Mordechai, and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. Real Israel Talk Radio.